Perhaps you had better start from the beginning. Perhaps we should. Let's start there. Here we go. conspiracy guide my name is sean and i will be your conspiracy guide at least i hope to be thank you for joining me on this introduction episode today i would like to take a couple of minutes to introduce myself and talk a little bit about the podcast and what i hope it will be my name is sean alexander my important roles are husband and father and spiritual head of my house I'm a Christian. I believe that the teachings of Jesus Christ are divine, true, and really are the way to human happiness and flourishing. My less important roles are I'm a small business owner. I'm kind of a tinkerer and a maker. I'm a hunter. I'm a prepper. And I'm a conspiracy theorist. Now, I'm a lifelong skeptic. And I've just kind of always been this way. I don't take things at face value. I have to investigate them for myself. And I think I have just enough of the weapons-grade autism. So I will obsess about topics and learn everything I can about them. So the natural extension of that is to bring those topics to a podcast I grew up in Orange County, California, and the band The Vandals has a line in one of their songs that says, Orange County ain't the breeding ground for blues. And that's probably true, but Orange County is definitely the breeding ground for conspiracy theorists. Orange County is the Matrix. It is keeping up with the Joneses. It is life in plastic and... Essentially, it will make you question everything. If you've ever sat on the 405, it will make you ponder the meaning of life. Orange County and Southern California has a way of either crushing you into conformity or making you break out. It's kind of the ultimate rat race. Now, I left Southern California and moved to possibly the next most matrixy place in the country, and that's New York's Upper East Side. Might say I went from living amongst the rat racers to the rat owners, or at least that's what it felt like. I feel like when we lived there, it was peak New York City, and COVID ruined that. When we left New York City, we moved to Stepford, Connecticut, which is not a real place. But if you're familiar with that reference, then you're in the ballpark for where I live. Now, again, I'm kind of a lifelong skeptic. I was good at school and tests and that kind of stuff, but I kind of hated learning. 
I didn't really realize that you could learn about stuff that I found interesting. The first book that I read cover to cover that I really uh, was interested in was The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test. If you're not familiar with that book, it's the story of Ken Kesey and his band of merry pranksters. Essentially, they went around the country in an old school bus performing acid tests, which was giving people LSD-laced Kool-Aid and then kind of messing with them, hence the test part. That should give you an idea of the kind of things I was interested in as a kid. Now, I don't know how I got that book or why my parents let me read it, but it's a great book, not necessarily for a junior high kid, but if you haven't read it, I'd recommend it. I also had American History X. If you're not familiar with that movie, American History X is a story about a skinhead who can't get along with his American history teacher, so he is forced to take his American history class with his principal. I had to do the same thing. And it's not because I was a skinhead, but because I was constantly arguing with my American history teacher because he didn't know shit about American history. And I think I was right about a lot of it, uh, which is why the principal, to her credit, allowed me to complete that class with her. And it was great. Now, those kind of things, I think, I don't know, a little bit of representation of, of, of how I was a skeptic as a young person. The first time I remember feeling skeptical to my core was 9-11. And I think this was the case for a lot of people. At the time, I worked at Coca-Cola and we started really early. So unlike most people on the West Coast, I actually saw the attacks happen live. Now, when the second plane hit, the feeling was like being punked. I knew it wasn't right, but I didn't have any context for what that might be. And it got more confusing after the fact. So if you remember this time or shoot, if, if you were alive during this time, you might remember that after 9-11, it became about getting into a war and it became about getting the bastards who had attacked us, but it became really confusing who those bastards were. It went from the 9-11 attacks to, you know, babies in Iraqi hospitals to chemical weapons and weapons of mass destruction. And pretty soon it wasn't about the 9-11 attacks at all. But we kind of all got fooled into going to war. Now, there were a few that didn't, but I wasn't yet a seasoned enough conspiracy theorist. And I'm sorry to say that that propaganda worked on me. That is until I think I saw loose change. And loose change, well, changed it all. If you haven't seen that film, you really should. It holds up. And my kind of tinfoil hat makes me wonder how this kid, Dylan Avery, got so much so right so quick. But in any case, I am forever grateful for that film and for 
really kind of rocketing me into sort of formal conspiracy theories and and questioning everything. A couple of years after that, I got involved in banking and finance, and I was doing the exact thing that caused the 2008 financial collapse. Now, when you're young and indestructible, you might feel like there are guardrails in place to prevent this kind of collapse that happened in 2008. But at the time, I really had no idea. And I went from making more money than I ever thought possible to doors closed on the business within a couple of weeks and a total financial collapse. And that really affected the way uh, that I now feel about government and banks and their sort of disgusting entanglements. And there's no shortage of finance and money-related conspiracies, and I'm sure we'll be covering a lot of them here. Now, 9-11, JFK, and all of these kind of conspiracies are really fun to be interested in, but it's almost like being interested in true crime. It doesn't make much of a material difference in your life, at least not until you learn how to apply them. Well, I started to experience some health problems and I really needed to solve those. And so I really dug into health and wellness and medicine and found that there are quite a lot of conspiracies and misinformation in that space without getting too into it on this first episode, I was able to solve most of my health problems. And I was able to do that because at this point I had sort of become a seasoned conspiracy theorist and I was able to dig into the data and really look at it in a way that I wouldn't have been able to before. Again, with health and and medicine, there's really no shortage. There are tons of conspiracy theories. And so I think this podcast will probably be pretty heavy on the health conspiracies. That kind of distrust in the health and medicine space was really a blessing during COVID-1984, whatever you want to call it. You see, my family, we didn't live in fear. We didn't lock down. We didn't abandon our family members. We didn't wear any of these stupid masks. We didn't take any untested medications. In fact, we took a couple of vacations and it was great. While everyone else was locked in their homes, we had the run of the place and we got to see some of America's most beautiful places all to ourselves. Being a conspiracy theorist really helped me protect my family during that time. And it really made the difference between living the last two years of our lives healthy and happy and not being a, you know, pharma lab rat scared shitless in our homes. You might notice I call myself a conspiracy theorist. Now, nothing against truther or conspiracy realist or any of these other names I hear, but I like to call myself a conspiracy theorist because the term conspiracy theorist was originally meant to be a pejorative. And it comes from the JFK assassination, where people at that time were theorizing that it may have been a conspiracy, that there was more than one shooter. And so because this term was coined by the CIA and meant to be harmful, I like to use it. And I like to refer to myself as a conspiracy theorist because 
that's what I do. Quite frankly, I theorize about conspiracies. Now, in a similar way to blacks with the N-word, I like the fact that something that was meant to be hurtful, you're taking back for your community. Now, don't freak out. I'm not saying that being called a conspiracy theorist is anything like being called the N-word, but just in that same spirit, taking something back and making it a powerful and empowering term, well, I like that. Now, just because somebody calls themselves a conspiracy theorist, that doesn't make them any more trustworthy than the rest of the population. There's a lot of bad conspiracy theories going on out there right now. So it's important to take everything I say, as well as everything else that anyone says, and filter it through your bullshit meter. And so that's what I'm hoping to do here. Not just talk about conspiracy theories, but really help to build your conspiracy muscles to strengthen your critical thinking skills. And I will help you do that by not only explaining the conspiracy theories, but help you to realize how I came to my conclusions, because a lot of these are not easy to, a lot of these conclusions, I should say, are not easy to come to. Some of these topics that we'll discuss are really paradigm breaking and they can be difficult to stomach at first. So I hope to break them down in a way that not just helps you understand them, but helps you come to realize them in a way that's, I don't know, more palatable. I also have to warn you, some of these topics are pretty heavy. Now, I personally know a few people that probably shouldn't be into conspiracy theories. It kind of really bothers them in a way that I don't think is healthy. It's important to keep these things light because after all, shedding light on these topics is how we make sure that they don't happen again. What I hope this podcast will be or, or how I hope it will be used is as a searchable or I should say easily searchable podcast about specific topics. I have a limited amount of time to read and, and watch videos and I wish I could do that more, but I have more time to listen to podcasts and Because of that, I use podcasts as a research tool. It's not always the most easily searchable medium. A lot of times there will be guests on discussing certain topics, but it's not necessarily clear what those topics will be. And sometimes these people have a ton of knowledge and they're not very specific about that particular conspiracy theory. So what I would like to do is make episodes that are topic specific and use very clear keywords to make them easily searchable. I figure if I use podcasts that way, somebody else is probably doing that too. Now, the reasons I am doing this is because, well, I enjoy it. I do a lot of this research anyway, and so I hope to bring it to an audience well, really of any size, it's very popular these days among conspiracy theory communities to say, you can't red pill anyone, so don't even try. And that might be true, but I'm not going to give up that easy. And so maybe I won't red pill anyone. Maybe I won't convince anyone, 
But if I don't try, then I have automatically failed. And these topics are really important. It's important that we bring them to light. It's important that we discuss them. Now, I think that more voices are better. If you've turned on Fox Nation recently, which I wouldn't recommend, but if you did, you might see that there are entire sections of that app that are basically designated for conspiracy theories. If you know anything about Fox News and their track record, that is not where you should be getting your conspiracy theories. And God help us if that's where people are consuming their or or getting their conspiracy theory knowledge. So I think that more voices are better. If Fox Nation is doing it, well, then I definitely should be doing it. There are a lot of great voices already in the podcast and video space. But like I said, I think more is better. More opinions are better. More voices are better. Also, selfishly, I would like to do interviews at some point. I would like to bring interviews of people that have really um, enriched my understanding. I would like to bring those interviews to uh, a wider audience. There's something else that I want to do, and that's going to be more on a local level, something to bring conspiracy theorists together at a local level. But we'll talk more about that one later. So just to wrap up, I would like to explain to you why being a conspiracy theorist would be beneficial to you, why you would want to entertain the notion of being a conspiracy theorist or exploring these topics. Well, it might appear that the world is just kind of random and chaotic and that these sort of events or how our life happens is just, um, you know, there's not any order to it. But you may find out through studying these topics and becoming a conspiracy theorist that there is an order to that chaos and that things don't just happen for no reason. Understanding these conspiracy theories will help you order that chaos in a way that will help you be at peace with the world around you. Now, it might be frustrating to know this stuff, but you'll understand it and you'll be able to order your life around that uh, sort of chaos coming from the mainstream media and the constant propaganda that we're just being bombarded with. The powers that be, they really do want you to be fat, sick, in debt, confused, and living a life of servitude. Our entire history, essentially, as human beings has been dominated by the sort of power structure of a monarchy or rulers. And so I don't understand how it's far-fetched to think that's the case, to think there are people at the highest level trying to control us. But anyway, I think it's our right as humans, as thinking beings, to be able to explore these topics. After all, we were given that gift, and so we should use it. We should use our critical thinking, and we should use our curiosity to explore these topics and to kind of figure out who is pulling the sort of puppet strings of society. I think it's our right to do. As I said, it's our right as thinking beings and the only thinking beings to do that. Now, it doesn't happen overnight, and 
as I said a bit earlier, some of these topics are paradigm changing and they will be really difficult to digest. However, we're going to go through it slowly, start broadly, and then kind of whittle it down to more and more specific topics. And hopefully through that process, fortify your mind against the status quo indoctrination that is just really so common these days. It's, it's everywhere. So in closing, I hope you'll join me on this journey to become a conspiracy theorist, to exercise your critical thinking, and to explore some topics that are sometimes uncomfortable. And I hope that we can do that together. I hope you'll join me in the future. And I hope to see you next time. So Gadnium, take us out. Thank <laughs> you.